When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero alongside Levin Black. Levin, we haven't had a show on a Thursday coming off of a loss in a long time, and I do not like it. Yeah, f- this sh- <laughs> just started off right away. It's yeah, it's not fun. I just drove all day yesterday. I'm still sick. My voice is not 100% back. I still got a little mucus going on. Uh, And we're coming off a bye or a a loss that was embarrassing. So, yeah, I'm in an awesome mood today. Let me tell you. Yeah, as opposed to all the other shows when you're super cheery and upbeat. uh, There's a reason we call (laughs) you the human wet blanket. We'll get to what happened in the Ravens game, what the Niners have said this week about the loss, and, of course, what needs to change going forward against the commanders this week. But before we get to all of that, I just want to take a second and say thank you to our new YouTube channel partner, community tree service, LLC. We are so glad that they have decided to partner up with us friends of the show and they do it all. Anything you need done to your yard, they will handle tree trimming, land clearing, hazard tree removal, home fire hardening and debris removal anywhere from the central coast up to the Bay area And the best part, estimates are free. So call 831-763-2391 or email estimating at cts831.com now to schedule your appointment. If you mention you're a Niner fan, you will get $200 off your quote. So definitely do that. Don't tell them if you root for another team like the Cowboys or Ravens or Eagles because they'll charge you $200 extra. So just keep that under your hat. Community Tree Service is a license, is licensed, excuse me, by the California State License Board. License number 1100816. Where do you want to start, Levin? Do you want to start with your final thoughts coming out of the Ravens game? Have you had a chance to rewatch it? Did you did anything change compared to what you thought on the instant reaction show? I have not gotten to rewatch it. I've just been able to watch what other people have taken from it. Um, because I've been on the road up until late last night. It, I don't know. It, it's one of those games I think you can take whatever you want from it, depending on the angle you're wanting to come with. You can say, well, it wasn't that bad. They had over 400 yards of offense. They were moving the ball. They just turned it over. You get rid of the turnovers, and they probably win that game. You know, you can spin it that way. But it was also they couldn't stop. Baltimore. Baltimore put up 33 points. 
They didn't have an answer defensively. And they did turn it over. There might be something to do with that game. It certainly seems like kind of like what we were talking about before the game, that maybe Baltimore with all the disguising is the kryptonite to Purdy because he's so good at pre-snap recognition that if you change things post-snap, you might catch him anticipating something that's not there and he throws an interception. I think that happened on the first one. The first interception was one, he was late. And I think he was late because he was having to diagnose post-snap what was going on. And then he just didn't see the safety on the other side of the field being able to come over and get that ball. So there's a lot. You can go negative and you can go positive depending on how you want to spin it. I'm trying to go more to the positive. I think you're right, by the way. I think that they took advantage of Purdy's inexperience and he was a little confused afterwards. Um, that what's going to happen. He literally turned 24 years old this week, which by the way, I don't know if you saw it. He went with the extra large cookie, like the, the pizza sized chocolate chip cookie for the, for the celebratory dessert. Is that how you roll or do you go like straight up cake? Uh, I don't really have a plan. I eat what I want when I want when it's the holidays. Well, no, I'm saying for your birthday though. My birthday. Well, uh, have you forgotten how I am with birthdays? I'm Probably still- the biggest wet blanket take I got. I don't yeah. like birthdays. I don't like my birthday. Of course. I don't uh, care about it. There's if, a- if I have a choice on my birthday, it's not so much about dessert. Like normally my wife will get a cake, but it's more about like, what am I eating for real meals? Like I want real greasy food. I want a steak. I want pizza maybe for lunch. Like, yeah, that's more what I'm about. It's not about whether I get cake or ice cream or any of the desserts. It's about the meal. Yeah, you hate fun. We know. It's fine. Um, I'm going to go I'm here. <laughs> the positive side. <laughs> I don't think that, like, I wasn't really that concerned with the defense in the game. I pointed out on Twitter earlier this week, the Ravens had three touchdown drives in the game. One started at their own 47-yard line when Mitch Wisnowski inexplicably hit a guy out of bounds. One started on the 49ers 44 yard line and one started on the Niners nine yard line. The turnovers were so crippling because not only did they end 49er drives and take points off the board for the 49ers, they also set the Ravens up on short fields and they, to their credit capitalized. But I didn't think the defense was like so flummoxed by what the Ravens did. See, you can say that, but, the defense, I feel like, has regressed in recent weeks. They gave up, what, 29 to uh, Arizona and now 33. You can say, yeah, they had great field position. That is true. That's why the Niners outgained the Ravens, but it's not like the defense was stopping them. The Ravens moved the ball at will. When they needed to put the game away in that second half, guess what? It was quick touchdown, quick touchdown. The, the 49ers didn't have an answer for that offense. They certainly let up the points, um, but I didn't think it was like, oh, they just dominated offensively. I think the game would have been totally different if they didn't turn the ball over. The problem was they did, like you said, and they all count and they, you know, we can't just ignore them. But I think it was more of the Ravens made some good plays that ended in the best possible outcome for the Ravens. They didn't have any dropped interceptions. The balls that were tipped in the air for the most part were caught by the Ravens and they capitalized on that. I I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm not panicking enough or not reacting enough to the loss because everybody else seems to be reacting a lot, but I'm, 
and I, and I'll freak out if they lose to Washington this week, but I, I don't think it was as bad as it looked. That's my only point. I, I feel like, so I listened to the show yesterday and I feel like you're over here. Grant is way over here. He's going crazy negative. You're going, I think you're spinning this more positive than you normally do. And I'm here today to try to find the middle ground. There are points to both. Was it a horrendously bad take nothing from it, burn the tape game? No. Was it a good game? Absolutely not. There was plenty of things that were problems that could continue. But there were also some positives there. They did move the ball. You take away the turnovers and some of them, yes, they count, but some of them were fluky. Like you said, every single ball that got hit up into the air got intercepted. Every single 50-50 ball where a defender got a touch on it got intercepted. There was no like, oh, they batted it down. Every single time they got a hand on a ball, it got intercepted. That's pretty fluky. So you can spin it that way that if they don't turn the ball over, hey, this might be a game because despite everything, and I feel like people have kind of forgotten about this, if Sam Darnold doesn't take an inexplicable sack (laughs) at the goal line, it was a seven-point game. Like, I feel like if Purdy didn't get the stinger, that probably was going to be a seven-point game at the end where the Niners are going for an onside kick or something crazy. I know they had the timeouts. Maybe they just go for it and hope the defense can stop them. I think that's foolhardy when you're facing Lamar Jackson because all it takes is one scramble and it's toast, right? But it was a it was a closer game than it felt like in the moment, and I think that's because we're not used to the Niners getting curb stomped like that. But the Niners kept coming. So it wasn't all negative. They could have had that as a one possession game if their quarterback wasn't hurt. So I, I think it's not a burn the tape game. It just wasn't a good game. Right. And I think those two things, like sometimes we tend to decide one or the other, but like, let's, let's try and find the middle ground. Like you said, JCG 1987 says, I have a feeling the first half will be a lot of dinks and dunks like the Eagles game. But if his confidence then see a couple deep shots. Oh, build his confidence. Yeah. Sorry, it was a typo there. Build his confidence, and then we'll <laughs> see shots in the second half. That's one of the things I wanted to talk about. As we look ahead to Washington now, what type of game plan do we think we will see from the 49ers? I think people want to see Kyle come out and do nothing but run the ball to the left every time, and that's what we're going to do because we, you know, we didn't run the ball enough against Baltimore, and we can't risk a turnover, so we're just going to run, run, run. I'm telling you now, if that's what you're expecting, I think you're going to be disappointed because that's not what Kyle does. He looks at the coverage. He looks at where the other team is weak and he wants to attack that weakness. If that means passing a bunch, he's going to pass a bunch. If that means running a bunch, he's going to run a bunch. He doesn't really care what the 49ers did the week before. That's not how he looks to attack each new defense every single week. It will be interesting because this commander's defense is terrible to where the Niners can do what they want. You want to come out and run the ball and make it easy on Purdy? You will probably find success and put up 30 points. You want to come out passing the ball and have Purdy throw up 400 yards? You will probably put up 30 points because this defense is terrible. It is easily the worst defense in the league. Like It's not even close. They're giving up the most points, over 30 points per game. Uh, Defensively, when you break it down further, while they're 23rd in rushing yards allowed compared to 31st in passing yards, 
they're giving up four and a half yards per carry. So if you run the ball at that clip, you're going to be able to just continuously run and get first downs because you're getting four and a half yards per. At the same time, they gave up 33 passing touchdowns so far to just seven interceptions. 33 to seven. It's insane. It's actually, uh, I believe it's, uh, I have it written down somewhere, but it's the uh, fourth best or worst touchdown to turn uh, interception ratio in league history. Damn. 33 to seven. So what you're saying is it's a perfect opportunity for Brock to get right. Yeah. So the, the, so they're 33 to seven, negative 26. I got it here. It's the 2019 Cardinals. It's all recent teams, which is kind of a little surprising. Uh, You would think one of those teams back in the day had some crazy stat, but 2019 Cardinals, 2020 lions. Can you guess the third one? Is it one of the, it's got to be one of the 49ers teams where they had, I think, two interceptions. Was that 2017? 2018 49ers, because they only had two interceptions. And I think it was either 33 or 35 touchdowns that they gave up through the air that year. So they're worse. Now, the commanders could end up passing that, but that's historically bad. And it's not the only thing they're historically bad at. They're on pace, this commanders team, to give up 513 points this season. That would be the fourth most in NFL history. So yeah, so, yeah. Don't, this is a game. Uh, this is a get right game. Go out there and score points however you want. If you want Christian McCaffrey to get the MVP, go out there and give him a 200 yard four touchdown game. You can do what you want. Don't turn the ball over, and you're going to win. When the Niners don't turn the ball over this year, they're seven and zero. When they turn the ball over, they're four and four. Protect the damn football, and you're going to be able to move the ball, and you're going to be able to score, particularly against this defense. I am interested to see what Brock looks like, though, because, yes, he's had multiple turnover games this season, but he hasn't had a game that was this bad yet in his entire career. So how does he bounce back from this? Steve Young was on KMBR. I don't know if you heard this. I thought this was interesting, Levin. Here's Steve Young talking about Brock coming back from adversity. It's actually a great opportunity this week for Brock to now take everyone going, wow, what is what was that? You know, and then go to go on the road and change that narrative. Like it's, uh, you know, now I know that he can come back from a bad game. And I know yeah. that's all we haven't seen that yet. So it's all the scars that are coming and then fighting through them and thriving despite it is what needs to happen. So no, everyone wants to, to decide it right now. And the fact is, you don't know. I don't know. And Brock doesn't know. We got to go through it together and we'll, we'll know it when we see it. Now, that sounds pretty interesting, right? Pretty relevant. Well, it's actually from October. That's actually what Steve Young said after they lost to the Browns. But I think it applies this week as well. And I think it applies even more because this is a much worse game for Brock Purdy than he played against the Browns. And so he hasn't had this kind of like, I feel like everybody in the world pointed at Brock Purdy after Monday night and said, you're the reason why they lost. And he hasn't had that type of game yet. And now he has. And how does he come back from that? Mentally, does he press? Does he force things? Or does he stay within the offense and just distribute the ball like he always has? Or does he get gun shy and and get afraid to turn the ball over and pass up open opportunities? We're going to find out. It's the first time I would say Brock Purdy's been knocked down. He's right. been staggered a few times in his career. But this is the knockdown we've been waiting on, honestly. Like, nobody wanted to see it. Don't get me wrong. But we we've all been waiting because it's going to happen. There's going to be a game at some point in your career, it doesn't matter who you are, that 
you're just awful. Nothing Mm -hmm. works. Everything goes against you. How do you come back from it determines whether or not you're going to continue to have an NFL future. I'm not saying Purdy's on this teetering cliff or anything like that. I think it's pretty clear he's going to be the franchise quarterback for a while. But can he get back to the level that he was? Because he was at an historic level. Or does he just become merely good, right? It may be that the Ravens played a lot of zone and they changed coverage post-snap. Like I said, is that his kryptonite? Play zone and change the coverage post-snap so that he can't pre-diagnose. Is he too slow to get through that? Now, that's something that's really difficult for all teams to overcome. That's one of the reasons why the Ravens are really good defensively, Uh, not just this year, but pretty much the whole John Harbaugh era. But especially this year, they've been really good. They do that to all teams. Like, that's the point that I, I wanted to make coming into today is that the Ravens didn't come in with a 49er-specific game plan, in my opinion. They came in with the defense they run, and it just so happens that it matches up well against the 49ers. I think that it's easy to say, oh, did the Ravens show everyone the blueprint to how to beat the 49ers? It's like, you can try to do what the Ravens did. The Ravens are basically built to match up with the 49ers. They are strong in the areas that the 49ers like to attack. And so that's why... Use part of the reason why you saw the game that we saw, but that doesn't mean that everybody's going to be able to replicate that. So let's just slow down. It's so funny. The 49ers were not the ones going around saying we're unbeatable. The sports media did that, right? Pro football talk did that. A lot of the national media was like, hey, the 49ers are really good. They're going to get the one seed. They're going to the Super Bowl. They're awesome. They're awesome. They're awesome. And then they lose, and now the same people are like, see, they're not awesome. Like, they're coming at the 49ers like like they were the ones tooting their own horn, so to speak. So that's been kind of funny to see this week. But I think Brock is going to respond. I think he's going to play well. I think Kyle's going to put him in a position to succeed. I think the Niners as a team are going to be ticked off that they got embarrassed on their home field on Christmas Day. Plus, they know what's at stake. The number one seed is at stake. You cannot lose this game. In fact, if you win it, there is a scenario where you can clinch the number one seed. It's unlikely, but it is possible. So the Niners have a lot of business to take care of. If they were to clinch the number one seed, they need to win, obviously. They need Detroit to lose to Dallas, and they need Philly to lose to Arizona. But technically, it is possible. I mean, Arizona beat Dallas, but... Right. <laughs> I don't I don't see that happening. I could see the Lions certainly losing there. Um, if not, you said they played Dallas, right? I hadn't realized Lions those two Dallas, yes. I wasn't I didn't realize those two teams were playing this week. If the Dallas Cowboys lose that, like don't ever say anything again. <laughs> That's in Dallas too, by the way. Because that means they've lost to like every major team, right? And some really bad teams. Like if they lose that game, I saw a headline today that they're talking about an extension for Dak where he'll get paid 55 to $60 million a year. Maybe put that on hold. If you can't beat the great teams, something's wrong here. But uh, that would be an interesting game to watch. I could certainly see Dallas winning that game. Uh, I don't really want to say I'm rooting for Dallas again. You're rooting for a, a Lions tie. No, you're, you're rooting for a tie. Because <laughs> well. a tie is the same thing in this scenario. Yeah, I would rather just have the Cowboys <laughs> win. Um, that game is Saturday, by the way. Saturday, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so, you know, we'll we'll know the outcome of that before Sunday's games kick off, right. clearly. 
Um, but it is possible for the Niners to get the number one seed, which would be incredible. I would love to have the number one seed and take all the pressure off of that Rams game. Not that I don't think the Niners can beat the Rams, but, you know, Rams are playing well right now. And in a one game scenario, anything can happen. But let's just handle your business first and foremost if you're San Francisco. Don't worry about you know, Micah Parsons and what he's tweeting. Don't worry about Cam Newton and Debo Samuel getting catfished. I was going to say, uh, don't worry about random people pretending to be others. Like, come on, Debo. Which ruined my whole night last night. I had to do 49ers in five three times last night because of all that crap. Like, I guess I'll just say, how dumb do you have to be to just take a random text message on the word that they're Cam Newton? With all that weird, you know, Cam Newton-like text, they're going that overboard with it. Maybe you should step back and go, hold on. How do I know this is actually him? Like, jeez. And to go public with it by posting it on social media? Come on, man. It was a weird day. But I'm kind of glad that it happened because now it's all over with, right? It's like he's not going to be going back and forth. That It was all over with by Thursday. So there's no distraction or anything. Just, again, focus on what you need to focus on, what is in front of you. And I think we're going to get angry Debo this week. I think we're going to get angry 49ers this week. And look, they win against Washington and all the good compliments and all the good praise and all that stuff will be coming back to them as it should. I wouldn't be surprised if we get angry 49ers this week. I would hope they show up. Right. Because you got to respond to that type of game. But Modelo time 1999 has a, a good point here. If the 49ers clinch the one seed and the Rams need to win to get in, do the 49ers try to end their season? That is an interesting point because I think the 49ers, it's not just that it's the Rams. Like personally, I think if it's a rivalry, it doesn't come into it in that aspect. Oh, I'm going to try because it's a rival and I want to knock them out or any of that. But in that scenario, like the Rams are the the wild card team nobody wants to face this year because they're really hitting their stride at the wrong time. Everything's coming together. They got healthy. Cooper Cup's there. Puka Nakua is still going off. All of that has kind of all come together in, in recent weeks with Kyron Williams getting healthy, taking them to a new level. So it would be, to me, more so we want to beat them so that we don't have to worry about them coming in and – ending another one of our seasons so we're going to take this opportunity plus if they've locked the bye week to me you don't take the final week of the season off you might rest certain people if they're a little banged up and you don't want to risk them getting a more serious injury but you still play to win the game because when you i think call the dogs off so to speak and then you have a bye week you come out flat in that playoff game and like i, I i've said this before i grew up with it the Colts used to do that every year with Peyton Manning and every year it bit them and it took, I, I can't remember if it was Peyton, somebody, it might've been Dallas Clark finally came out and was like, we got to stop taking the final week off of the season off when we have a bye week to start the playoffs. Cause that's too hard to snap back into it. And for what it's worth, the Rams can also clinch a playoff spot this week. If they win and Seattle loses to Pittsburgh, the Rams clinch a playoff spot. So that week 18 game, you know, the feeling of that game changes a little bit. So, you know, there's a lot of different permutations and things that can happen this week based on what the Niners do, what the Rams do, what Seattle does, the Lions, and of course, um, the Eagles. So, you know, we'll have to figure, we, we're going to have time to figure all this stuff out. Um, I don't love that the commanders are going with Jacoby Brissett. 
Because I think Jacoby Brissett is a competent quarterback. I think he's, you know, he's not going to lose the game for them. I think he'll, you know, he may not be a superstar, but I wouldn't mind playing a quarterback that can commit four or five turnovers. And I don't know if Jacoby Brissett's that guy. Jacoby Brissett is like the ultimate backup quarterback. He's not consistent, so you don't want him as a starter. But as the backup, he's one of those rare ones that's capable of coming in. He might be completely terrible, but he has that world beater level that he could hit. He could come in and have a four touchdown game as a backup. And that's pretty rare amongst backups. He, you know, he he has the very high, high and low to him as a backup. So it's a little bit more scary than just facing Sam Howell, who's clearly regressed heavily. It, it's really weird. Sam Howell, you know, was leading the league in passing yards just, I think, two weeks ago. Might yes. be three, but just two weeks ago, I'm pretty sure. He was leading the league in passing yards, and now he's benched. Like, pretty terrible, quick turnaround to him. Well, that's the other thing, too, is like, Washington is, they're just a dead team walking. They got a dead duck of a coach, and everybody knows it. Right. Rivera's going to get canned. Rand Carthon may get canned. We don't know. Their quarterback situation is completely up in the air. Clearly, Sam Howell is is not someone that they are attached to by any shape, form, or fashion. I'd be shocked if Russ ends up there because I think that's a franchise, new Could owner be. with lots of money. It, 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 re- it reeks of a team that's desperate to get some kind of wins. Like, you go get Russ, you're not going to be a Super Bowl contender. That's one of those teams, like, that's what I was thinking about this week of who would actually want Russ. It's the franchises that are desperate for a playoff year, even if it's a wild card, and they don't have any young quarterback in-house that they believe in. That's who wants Russ, and Washington fits that bill. Maybe, but let's worry about that. I know, I know. When the time comes, although I did enjoy Russ getting benched during the show with Grant yesterday. I took great glee in that. I will always take joy in Russell Wilson's suffering. I just will. Um, Defensively, would you be... Do you expect the 49ers to shut down Washington or are you, like you said, concerned because of the point totals they've given up the last two weeks? They better shut him down. Like this is going to be a game that I judge a lot of the defense on, because like I said, they have given up points in the last two weeks. They gave up 33 and they gave up 29 to Arizona. who's not a good uh, offense. Now you could say, yeah, Arizona got a lot of garbage time points. That's true. Okay. But if they come out and they allow the commanders to move the ball, they don't have like a dominant defensive game, then I'm going to be raising a red flag that, hey, something's off about this defense. Something got figured out that they that they had made a change at the bye week that we all saw, and now it's been figured out, and they need to make another adjustment. Keep in mind, this Washington offense has given up 60 sacks. They give up four sacks per game. What, what do we know about this 49ers defense? If you get pressure with four, there's no scoring on them. You know, they they dominate if they can get pressure with four. Well, this offensive line has given up 60 sacks. By the way, that's twice as many as the 49ers have given up. So if they can do that, this defense should be just fine. If they struggle to get pressure, I'm going to worry about that defensive line because that's still a little bit of a worry I have is that against good offensive lines, they just don't seem to be a difference maker because – they don't have the speed guy. They never get sacks fast. It's very rare. Bosa has not been that guy pretty much his whole career. He's one of those guys that if you give him three seconds, he's going to have pressure on you. So you're not going to be able to sit back there forever. But 
can he get fast pressure? I don't think he can. He's just not that kind of guy. They got to start getting some fast pressure from somebody to change things. If they can't do it against the commanders, they're not going to do it against anybody because this offensive line is terrible. It is really, really bad. Uh, just one quick correction. Daniel points out, I said Rand Carthon's going to get fired for Washington. He's the GM in Tennessee. I apologize. Martin Mayhew is the person I was thinking of. That's my mistake. Thank you for correcting me, Daniel. Um, but you're right about the pass rush. Like It hasn't been as spectacular lately. I think the injury to Eric Armstead is a big part of that. He's really good, as much as people like to bang on him sometimes. Um, I think it was... Akash had a tweet, which, of course, now I can't find because whenever I need to find a tweet, they disappear on me. But without Armstead in the lineup, the the pressure rate of this defense is significantly lower. Now, maybe Sebastian Joseph Day helps them. Uh, certainly, I think he's a good player. I, I think that was a solid addition, especially at this point in the year. I don't think he's as good as Armstead, but hopefully that helps. Brissett can move a little bit, though. He's a And he's a big guy, too. He's 6'4", 235. So it's not like, you know, you're not facing a statue back there, but get pressure with your front four if you're the 49ers and generate turnovers too. They didn't get any turnovers last week. That would really help them. If they could have mitigated some of what they were doing on offense, if they took the ball away, they never really gotten close to taking the ball, except for that one Trent Williams uh, almost strip on the interception return. That was the closest they came. And that has not been the case with this 49ers defense. Most of the time this year, they have been able to take the ball away from opponents. It might have been a different game if, say, they got a turnover there late in the second quarter or to start the the second half, you know. Right. If you take away one of those touchdowns where the, uh, we, we talked about an instant reaction, it was not just that the offense came out and laid two duds of a drive. It was that the defense also said, hey, come score a touchdown in 30 seconds twice in a row. <laughs> That's right. If one of those was a turnover instead, we might have had a different game. That might have gotten things going. Uh, but it didn't happen. And uh, that that's all there is to it. it it's a lot of what ifs for that game, right? Well, if this happened, maybe we'd get right. a game. When, when you're saying that, it, you got beat pretty soundly. When your answer is, well, if this happens, and right after that, it's not we win the game, but instead, well, maybe it would have been a close game, then you got beat pretty soundly. I want to get to a couple other things before we go. Fred Warner uh, has been doing his podcast all year, and there was a clip that, um, I think Roscoe put out on Twitter yesterday that I took issue with that people did not like what I had to say about it. I don't know if you saw the tweet. That's that's surprising. People don't (laughs) like what you have to say. I know. Uh, But I want to play the clip for everybody in case you haven't heard it. And then I'll give you my take and we can go back and forth. So this was Fred Warner on his podcast talking about the number one seed. There's all these little hoopla. All the conversations right now are all about the one seed, the one seed, the one seed. Listen, I don't care about the one seed if you're not playing good football at the end of the day. Because guess what? Yeah, you have that first round bye, but if you're not playing your best ball after the bye, you can have a first round exit just like that and you're done. This isn't about the one seed. This is about winning the grand prize at the end. So My take on that was it seems like a little bit of a switch by the 49ers because they did talk about the one seed this year. Kyle Juszczyk specifically talked about it with Richard Sherman. They talked about how important it was to get that first round by. 
And then what happened? They had a three-game losing streak. And Fred Warner said to the team in the locker room after the game, we learned our lesson, right? Take it one game at a time. Now, all of a sudden, they lose again. And now Fred Warner's telling me that the one seed is not important, even though they talked about how important it was all year long. That seems really weird to me, especially because they still control everything for the one seed. It's not like, well, now they need help, so he's backing off how important it is because they might not get it. Like, no, the Niners are still the ones that are in the driver's seat when it comes to getting that. So I thought that was a strange comment. It's strange due to context. What he has to say, if you just look at what he has to say, he's not wrong. If you're playing like crap at the end of the year, it doesn't matter that you got the bye week, right? Because you're going to have a first-round exit anyways. You you want to be peaking at the end of the season is what he's saying. But when you take the context of it into account, what he's saying is a bunch of crap. <laughs> he's trying to deflect. Anytime this team, it, it was the same way. They they went, they started out five and zero, oh, and then they lost. And it was like, hey, we don't want to be talking about the one seed. Oh yeah, well you guys were the ones talking about how you want to be kings of the NFC. So, like you started the conversation. Now that you lost, and people are coming after you about how it affects the one seed, you're wanting to deflect and say we don't want to talk about the one seed. We don't care. We're going one game at a time. Then they get on this win streak, and after they clinch the division. Like you said, some of them actually came out and said, we want the one seed. And now that they lost and they're getting that thrown back at them that, hey, this affected your one seed. Do you think he can still get it done? You know, now you're tied in record and all these things. Now they don't want to answer those questions. Now they don't want to talk about it. The one seed's not important. To me, it's just deflection. And that's why I say it's BS. Like, no, they care about the one seed. You can say that all you want. You've made it abundantly clear twice this season already. You care about the one seed. It's okay. I get why him as a leader has to kind of say, we don't care about it. But the way in which he does it, I I just find he's going a little too far with it. And I think he's being a little credulous with him saying, no, we don't care. It's about playing our best ball at the end of the year. No, just say, "Eh, yeah, we want the one seed, but we got to beat Washington to get it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just feel like he goes too far with it. I was just really surprised. Like all of a sudden the one seed doesn't matter. It's like, "Mm, yes, it does. Like, you need to play better, period. You don't have to connect those two things. And the fact that he did connect him tells me that they were talking about that one seed inside the locker room, that it was something that was in the air. And I think he was trying to tell the team, like, just worry about playing our best ball. But look, they all know the deal. Like, they're not stupid. Kyle Shanahan said earlier this year, our defense looks bad and tired because we're just beat up and we need a break. And they had a break at the bye week and they came out of the bye week and they kicked the hell out of everybody. They need the bye week. It is important for them. If they don't get the bye week, I don't know if they go to the Super Bowl. If they, I'll say this, if they get the bye, I'm like, book it. We're going to Vegas. Like, I would feel incredibly confident. If they don't get the bye week, they could still go to the Super Bowl for sure, but I would be way, way less confident. And I think they know it. And I think Fred is trying to just get them to focus on what he wants, but I just, I didn't like the way he tried to go about it because it seemed disingenuous to me. This team has to win the Super Bowl if they want to be remembered. We've talked about it. It doesn't matter if they get the bye week or not. Win the Super Bowl. The bye week, like we have talked about, I think is uniquely beneficial to this 49ers team, and specifically the defense, because they play very physical, very fast. Greenlaw and Warner sprint around everywhere. Mm -hmm. Plus, now they have a lot of injuries coming out of that last week. But if they don't win the Super Bowl, they will be forgotten. I actually went and looked because I was curious. 
let's assume they get the 13 wins. They win out, right? Which they definitely should. But they win. Here's teams that won 13 games in back-to-back seasons but never won a Super Bowl. Let's see how many we still talk about. Did we talk about the uh, 2018-2019 New Orleans Saints? No, we do not. Do we talk about the 2010-2011 Patriots? No, we talk about the teams that came after and before those teams. Those teams have been forgotten because they didn't get the, the game won. Do we talk about the 99-2000 Tennessee Titans? No. The only thing they're talked about is the fact that they lost the Super Bowl and probably the best game-ending play of all time <laughs> with them stretching for that uh, touchdown. Uh, you also have, and this one, I, I wanted to include this because it makes me laugh, the only three-time, in 2019, 2020, and 2021 Packers. They won 13 straight three years in a row, never even made a Super Bowl. Nobody talks about those teams and how great they were. You get forgotten. You either win or you are relegated to the dustbin of history. And that's what's on the table. That's the only thing left for the 49ers at this point. And with this kind of core group of people, um, we'll see if they can do it. The other thing I wanted to get to, Levin, is something that comes up every time the 49ers are losing in the fourth quarter. It came up again this week. Kyle Shanahan, 0-37, when trailing by eight or more in the fourth quarter. Here's what I don't understand. People, a lot of people have said, Kurt Benkert, former NFL pro, said the 49ers are not built to come from behind. I don't understand that because everybody in the league acknowledges that they can score a touchdown on any play from anywhere. So if you have that kind of offense, how can you then not be built to come from behind? Those two things do not compute for me. Allow me to try to compute them. Yes. I was screaming at Grant to go here yesterday when the two of you were getting into it over this. The reason why the 49ers can score at any time from anywhere on the field is because you can't predict what they're going to do. They can line up in a bunch of different ways. They can motion people around. You can't predict what they're going to do. So they can hit you long. They can go for a run to the outside. You don't know. When they get down, you do know. They're going to be passing. It allows you to tee off. And that uniquely goes against the weakness of the 49ers because their weakness is pass blocking. So when they are down big, they become predictable. And that takes away by far their biggest strength, which is being unpredictable due to the scheme of Kyle Shanahan. And it allows the other team to exploit their greatest weakness, which is the pass blocking. I agree with the second part of that. Yes, you're 100% true. But I don't think that the Niners can score on any play from anywhere because people don't know if they're going to run or pass. They can score from anywhere because they have a bunch of freaks like Kittle and Debo and CMC who can break three tackles and run for touchdowns. That can happen on screens. That can happen on short passes, little slant passes. That's not dependent on the And the reason why that is is because there is at least seven people in the box against the 49ers on every single play. And more so than any other team in the league, there are eight defenders in the box. When they get down, those defenders are no longer on the field because they can go to nickel and dime packages where you have more DBs, which means you're not going to have guys going wide open and are capable of getting those big, huge plays. That's the big difference. When you get down, the defense changes, and it uniquely goes against what the 49ers are good at on offense. I don't think that every time the 49ers have had a big play, the other team's been in base defense and hasn't been in nickel or hasn't been in dime. I think people are making weight. It's, 
it's not black and white. There's some gray to this. It's not going to be 100%. But the 49ers offense will be much worse when they are down. It's not doesn't mean that they can't have a magical play. It means it's much less likely. But down by eight points, no one is going, oh, the 49ers are going to abandon the run when they're down by eight points. Like, no, that's. But they do. They do not. When they're down by one score, they abandon the run. When they're down by eight plus, Kyle Shanahan changes things. Yes. I disagree. I think I need to see some data before I go along with that. Why would you? Because it's Kyle Shanahan. No, I think I think that's crazy. I think that people have their narratives about Kyle in their head, just like this game. Oh, we didn't run the ball enough. They did run the ball. They ran the ball. It didn't always work. But Christian they... McCaffrey had five carries just before halftime. Five. And he was averaging like eight yards a carry. They had, what, 12 total in the game, and he averaged almost eight yards a carry? No, they did not commit to the run in this game. They ran the ball 12 times in the first half. They passed at 16. That's wildly out of whack? For them, yeah. They're they're 32nd in pass attempts per game. 32nd. And that's because they pass less than they run the ball. And by the way, Christian McCaffrey had nine carries at halftime. Nine carries. Yes, he got on the last drive. He got four carries. Oh, but so the, okay, that doesn't count. Like, I mean, come on, they, they did run the ball. They ran it. I think that people are are they have these narratives about Shanahan built in their head, and then they just look for opportunities to say, "See, there it is again. See, there it is again." Even if it doesn't actually apply, they did not commit to the run. They came out passing. They kept passing. They passed more in this game than they normally do, despite the run being as successful as it's been in any game this season. And despite, as we talked about in the pregame show, and that's the biggest gripe I have with you this week, is that you said nobody, everybody's talking hindsight that they should have run the ball more. Nobody was saying that before. No, you literally was told that by me on both this show and the radio show that we're doing for 95-7, that the run game is the weakness of the the Ravens defense. They were giving up 4.3 yards per carry coming into this game, but they were number one in yards per pass allowed. So you don't come out passing, especially from empty sets. You do. If it works, if it works, it doesn't matter. What you reason you wanted them to run the ball is because you were worried they weren't going to be able to pass the ball, but it was, they were going down the field. The problem was it got intercepted, but that doesn't mean the passing game wasn't working. It was working, and the running game was working. Now, I agree that the numbers at the end of the game look very skewed because they were down 30 to 12, 10 minutes or or, uh, four minutes into the third quarter. And so by then, they had to go pass, pass, pass because they were trying to catch up. So in the end, ultimately, the running numbers look more skewed. But in the competitive portion of the game, I had no problem with the run-pass mix. I did, and I tweeted about it right away. I don't know why. I, I think you're just complaining because it was intercepted. And so after the fact, you're saying they should have run because then that wouldn't have happened. Were you complaining when they hit the big passes to Kittle? Of course not. Who would complain about that? Nobody would complain. You don't no. care if they get those. But when they passed, I tweeted after a first down pass that went incomplete, run the damn ball, Kyle. What I was tweeting you- during the game, run the ball. And if they run for one yard, what's your complaint going to be then? Which, by the way, they that, did. That's they what tried. you tried to do with Grant. You could say that about anything. They tried to open the third quarter. They did open the third quarter with a run. 
It didn't work. They gained a yard. So then you know what they yeah, did? One play. How, mu- how many yards did they average per rush in the game? How many? They averaged, as a team, 6.7 yards per yeah. carry. So you're picking one play. Talk about cherry picking. But you're saying they didn't try to run the ball. I'm saying they did try to run the ball, especially when they had an opportunity in this game, in the third quarter, to come back in the game. They came out. They run the ball. It doesn't work, right? They gain a yard. Then they passed on second down. They gained four. Then it's third and five. Do you want them to run the ball on third and five? No, this is the same drive that you cherry picked with Grant. We're not talking about one drive. It's the first. Okay. Well, the next drive, they threw an interception on the first play. Yeah. And what did they do in the first half? They threw interceptions and they weren't running on first down. They could have pounded the ball in this game. The way Baltimore played defense, the 49ers could have run 40 times and won this game. Which first down specifically did you want them to run the ball on? On their second drive, they ran the ball on first and 10 right out of the gate. They did run the ball. On the next drive, uh, they on first down, they passed the ball. They gained 20 yards. Uh-huh. And why didn't they keep running? Well, they did. They ran the next play. It was a run. The next play after that 20-yarder, they ran to Christian McCaffrey. He gained three yards. Then they passed it again. They gained 15 yards. And then they passed it again, and Brock was intercepted. I feel like you're cherry-picking because every time they're intercepted, you could just say, oh, well, they should have run the ball. It's like, well, if Kyle knew it was going to get intercepted, I'm sure he would have run the ball. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had the third fewest carries in any game, yet averaged an insane amount of yards per carry. He had over 100 yards on only 14 carries. Right. He should have been at 14 the end, carries. Not out of whack. They weren't running the ball at the end of the game because they were down by so many points. It wasn't just the end of the game. As you said, they had 16 passes to 12 rushes in the first half. That's about five more passes than they normally would in a first half. Normally, it's 17 rushes to 11 passes. It's skewed to the run. Christian McCaffrey leads the league in passing yards in the first half or in rushing yards in the first half. He has over 65% of his rushing yards in the first half of games. The second half is when they pass because they set it up by running so well in the first half, the teams have to respect it. And then Purdy destroys them in the third quarter. We talked about that being the formula for this team and that formula fit with the way the Ravens defense was what they were weak at and what they were good at fit that model, but they didn't do it. They came out and they tried to pass against the best pass defense in the entire league. And it was working. They were moving right down the field. The problem was not with the game plan. The problem was with the damn quarterback who kept throwing it to the other team. I put it on Brock way more than I put it on Shanahan. Do you have more turnovers when you pass the ball or when you run the ball? When you pass more risky. Yeah. So, okay, so they should never pass the ball then. No. Why do you have to go to the extreme? This is such a revision. They should have run to set up the pass, not pass to set up the run. But if the pass is working as it was, who cares how they gain the yards? All we want is for them to gain the yards, right? And they were gaining yards. That's indisputable. No. problem I I don't want them to gain yards. I want them to score points. And when you're passing against the best pass defense in the league, you're going to have snake eyes sometimes. They had it a lot in this game. No, no, acting like they were destined to commit turnovers. Again, I think that's going off of what actually happened. That's revisionist history. I, I think that people are way too quick to blame Shanahan, especially every time they lose. It's a Shanahan game plan. It's a Shanahan problem. To me, 
it goes on the quarterback. It goes on 13. Be, like that first interception, what the hell was he looking? Why does he throw he that was late? Yeah, this he was late. He is sitting right there. <laughs> Dude, that to me, like I'm not putting that on Shanahan. Kyle just has to, like he has the game plan around his quarterback throwing inexplicably into coverage. Brock hasn't done that this year. That 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 was just a bad freaking play. Yeah, the first interception is 100% of Purdy. After that, you can argue. The screen pass. What did the Ravens say about the screen pass? Did you see that quote? I forget which player said it. It might have been, uh, it might have been Queen, I think, said it. I'm not 100% sure. But they talked about how when they lined up in a certain way and they motioned the back out, they knew a screen pass was coming, and that's why he jumped to stop the screen because he knew that's what the play was. That's a predictable offense. That one is 100% on Kyle Shanahan. No, it's not because yes, not- it is. if the defense is able to know the exact play that's about to be run, whoever so designs that play didn't change it enough. It's become too predictable. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes the defense is able to figure out what you're going to do. They watch and that's on the play caller when it happens. Just like sometimes there's an interception that's 100% on the quarterback, like the first one. Brock, don't throw an interception on the screen. Either when you see the guy there, throw the ball in the ground, throw it away. He's tried to force it in there. And oh, by the way, the Ravens just happened to have a guy on the other side who was floating in the backfield there to, to catch the interception too. How many times does a screen pass get intercepted? Almost never. It's the flukiest of all fluke plays, but we're putting it on Shanahan. If I had to give blame to somebody, yeah. I said the, the we interceptions don't. were fluky. But the defender literally knew exactly what was going to happen, and he timed his jump because of it. And they said that in the post game. That doesn't mean it's guaranteed to be an interception. No, it doesn't mean it's guaranteed to be an interception. But when you're trying to assign blame, who's to blame for that play? It's on the play caller that allowed the defense to know exactly what's coming. The Ravens made a good play. You don't think there's other times in the game where the defense knows what's coming and it doesn't result in a turnover? Just again, it was just the Ravens made a good play. Brother Bob says passing is working when it passing leads to four interceptions. Yeah, when you gain a bunch of yards, yeah. Again, I don't put it on the head coach when your quarterback throws into a safety that's literally sitting there with no other receivers on that entire side of the field for him to worry about. You, sh- your quarterback, you should expect your quarterback not to try and force that ball in there. I I agree that Purdy played bad. But I also think the game plan was not correct. And Kyle Shanahan deserves blame in this game. I think on the list of issues in this game, Kyle Shanahan is way down the list. And hopefully we don't have this problem. Hopefully the Niners are gaining yards on Washington. As you said earlier, their defense is not good. And now they have no Chase Young and they have no uh, Montez Sweat. So they should be even worse than some of what their numbers have indicated this season. The whole Trent Williams revenge game thing, I don't I don't know. Maybe it's a thing. We don't even know if Trent's going to play this week, first of all. I don't think Chase Young has any ill will towards Washington. I, I don't – and I don't think Shanahan does now either because Snyder's gone. So, you know. And that's just, I think it's the same way with Trent. A lot of his issues was with Dan Snyder calling him out publicly for something that was life-threatening. Right, the, the cancer. Right, like – I think a lot of the ill will anybody had for Washington went away when Dan Snyder went away because Dan Snyder is a jackass. Yeah. 
Glass City says, I agree with everything Rob is saying. Glass City, you're oh, not. Oh, you pull that one. There's been like four or five people agreeing with me, and you pull that one. Yeah, I don't see. I just pulled the Brother Bob comment. He agrees with you. Here's another one. Uh, at what point do you say, no more interceptions, let's run? Well, so that's a different. Um, let's talk about that, right? Because we have seen Kyle take the ball out of a quarterback's hands. He did it with Jimmy Garoppolo in back-to-back playoff. First of all, he did it in Minnesota, and then the next week against Green Bay, he never even let him. <laughs> really throw the ball that much because they only threw eight times. If your argument is Kyle should have said, screw it. I'm not letting Brock throw it. You can make that argument, but I think it's clear that Kyle trusts Brock more than he's trusted other 49ers quarterbacks because Brock did keep throwing against the Ravens. Yeah. I, I think, I think after the second one is when I go, all right, I need to change things. After the first one, I don't know that you do because if you're, Hey, you threw one interception. I'm taking the ball out of your hands when you're literally the leader of MVP. Sends the wrong message, and I don't think it would go over overly well. After the second one, I think you go, all right, my quarterback is off. And the second interception, the defense knew exactly what was coming. We need to change things. The run game is working. We're going to run the ball until they prove they can stop it, and then we'll decide what to do after that based on what they do. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like he should have started changing things after the second one, but he didn't. So after the second interception, uh, the Niners, the Ravens score. So it's 10 to five. Weirdest score ever. Niners get the ball. They start with a run. McCaffrey gains two yards. They pass the Debo on the next play for three yards. Then it's third and five. That's not a running down on that play. Is that the pass the Debo got blown up? No. I can't remember when that was. That was, that was later in the game. Um, they, so they pass the Debo for three yards. It's third and five at the Niners 30 yard line. And then they have that friggin' play where McCaffrey clips the guy and Brock runs around and throws the ball. And again, it gets tipped up, mm. but that was third down. You're not going to run on that third down. That's a passing down. So they ran three plays or two plays on the possession to that point. One was a run. One was a pass. That was a 50, 50 split. I don't think that was that out of whack. They unfortunately that was one of the runs that didn't gain a bunch of yards. And so they, they, they passed on the next down. Yeah. I, I can't remember the exact play that Debo had for three yards. It shows that they were once again, doing the short passing. I think they came out with the thought that if we do short passes to the uh, boundaries, we'll be able to get yak. That's what it seemed like to me. Same with, I talked about in the post game. I, I would have loved to, for somebody to ask Shanann, what he saw in film that told him that if you motion the running back out wide, there's a weakness because he did that so many times in this game. JT Sullivan, is that you? (laughs) He kept motioning the running back out of the backfield and putting him out wide. He clearly saw something in film that made him think that would work. But again, I said it post game to me, what that did is it tipped your hand and allowed the defense to go. All right, here comes a pass. That is a, I feel like that's a different criticism, which I might be able to get on board with you for a beats and meets says what's more likely the quarterback played poorly because the play calling was bad or the play calling was poor because the quarterback was playing bad. Um, I think when plays go bad, it's easy to blame a specific play call. I, it's very hard to separate those two things. If you want to go hand in hand, if you're watching on the YouTube stream right now, I pulled up Brock's passing chart. Most of his passes are in the middle of the field, but he did have a significant amount outside the numbers on the the boundary on the left side, specifically 
So they did do some of that, which I think they need to continue to do. They need to continue to throw outside. You can't live on the inside of the field. And for the most part, if you look where his interceptions were, it's generally in the middle of the field where stuff is congested, where there's a lot of people, where a tipped ball is far more likely to get caught by somebody because there's just more people around. It's also easier to have somebody start out in a spot, you know, and say over to the right, and then their zone actually carries them to the left underneath a route that you know Purdy likes to anticipate and throw a lot. Like, I feel like a lot of defenses are starting to do that. Moving guys around and changing the zone coverage to something that's a little less orthodox so that they can try to trick Purdy into one of those anticipation throws. And we've talked about that, that I feel like that's the counter to Purdy. All right, you want to anticipate heavily on your throws over the middle? Okay, we're going to take somebody that lines up in a weird spot but ends up in the middle two seconds after the snap. Ryan Alloy says, stats, you're wrong. See, I put people up who are... You have to. He donated money. I don't have to do anything. (laughs) Uh, Stats, you're wrong. Run the ball with CMC MVP. It worked very well. Throwing the ball against the number one pass defense equals five turnovers. This is inarguable. Yes, you know what happened now after the play. So we know they turned the ball over five times now. You don't know that in the moment. If you had told Kyle Shanahan on Monday night in the first quarter, hey, if you keep passing, you're going to throw five interceptions. I guarantee you he would have run the ball more. But obviously that's not the case. He can't know that at the time. That's my point. No, Kyle would have said, who the hell are you? You no. don't know anything about football. He listens all the time. What are you talking about? I'm yeah. Sure. Nobody can talk to Kyle Shanahan unless their name is Mike Shanahan. <laughs> or Chris Sims. Um, somebody, uh, did you see on Wednesday show, somebody said that Kyle's calling the game plans like this because he wants to make his father happy. I was like, oh my God, I think we're really diving into an area here that that's a little bit frightening. Um, we should touch on the injuries before we go. There's a lot of them. Debo is one of the guys that landed on the injury report, limited with a neck problem. We know about Aaron Banks, who re-aggravated his toe injury. We know about Trent Williams, who, of course, has got a groin. Uh, There's a bunch more. Eric Armstead, obviously. Jawan Jennings is still in the protocol. Jalen Moore is in the concussion protocol. And Jair Brown has a knee sprain. That's particularly concerning because the depth at safety is pretty much nothing. Yeah, I, I saw before we came on that he's been reported as very unlikely to play. Well, that sucks. Yeah, so Logan Ryan. Whether it's Logan. Right, right, Logan Ryan. Kyle Shanahan literally said this week, hell, it could be anybody that you know calls himself a defensive back could be a safety candidate, including John Lynch. He made the joke. So uh, obviously the Niners have some shuffling to do there. That's not great. Certainly not great if, if that's the case against the Rams, but we can cross that bridge when we get to it. But it seems like the cluster injuries, Levin, safety, offensive line, defensive tackle. If they had just a couple injuries here and there, I think they would not feel it as much as they're feeling it right now. But it's these cluster injuries that are really taking a toll. Can I just be honest and say, I'm okay with the injuries as long as it's not the freaking quarterback. Like, give me a season with 17 games of a quarterback, and I'll take whatever other injuries come. Well, that's generally what you do when you have these injuries, is you say, it's more on you, quarterback. It's more on your shoulders. Yeah, things are not perfect, but you are here, and we need you to guide us out of this. Can Brock Purdy do that? I don't know. We'll see. I will point this out. The pass blocking in that game on Monday night was awful and has been awful all year. Even on the good plays, if you go back and specifically watch, 
there are a lot of plays where dudes are getting shoved into Brock's lap and he's making accurate plays. He's sliding in the pocket to buy time. The pass blocking has been horrendous and it's only going to get worse if Banks can't go and if Trent Williams can't go and if Jaywin Moore, who's not even that great, but if he's out also. If it wasn't for Brock Purdy, this offensive line would be exposed a lot worse. Yes. They, like I said, they've only given up 30 sacks on the season, which is top 10 in the league for fewest sacks given up. Part of that is they don't pass much. But a lot of it is Brock Purdy is able to buy time. He's spun out of a lot of sacks. He's been able to sidestep, as you said, or just get the pass off quick enough. This is uh, a season that I feel like if it was Jimmy Garoppolo, even Nick Mullins, <laughs> certainly C.J. Beathard, this would be a 50-plus sack season despite them not passing off. He has made a huge difference on the sacks, and that was what I asked of him right off the bat. When we first saw Brock Purdy came in, come in and, and the elusiveness that he has, I said, if he can just be Jimmy Garoppolo but turns one of the sacks a game into a positive play of some sort, that would be enough for this team to be able to win a Super Bowl at some point. And I still think that that's true. If he can just be a Jimmy Garoppolo level passer who turns one of those sacks a game into a positive play, that's enough of a difference. And he's been doing more than that. Intelligent AJ one says if Purdy has time to throw, he can diagnose the disguise, but our offensive line is trash. That's part of it too. He got sped up a little bit too. I think that that, because he is a good processor with the ball. I think he can figure that stuff out, but every quarterback needs a little bit of time back there and he didn't have a ton of it. And I hope that he gets to the point too, where if he is confused and the other team is getting pressure, then use your legs, just take off and run like that play on the interception where he scrambled around a bunch and it goes off a kittle like, dude, just try and run and scramble yeah. and pick up whatever you can and live get, to get play. a few more yards and yeah, live to play another day. That is a lesson that he has not learned yet. In my opinion. Yes, I, I agree. And he talked about that too. Kind of, he has to, to know when to do that. And he's again, he's still learning. He just turned 24 and hopefully he does grow from this uh, before he's we He's go, got too much Goonies in him because Goonies I, never say die. I hate that movie. I hate you. Well, yeah, this we know. Brother Bob is back. He says, after Christian McCaffrey's touchdown, I thought we would focus more on the run. That was an incredible touchdown, which, by the way, thank yeah. you, Christian. You won me money because I had uh, Christian sure McCaffrey. sure he cares. Anytime touchdown in the first half. Uh, if you want to argue they should have focused more on the run after that touchdown, I need to go back and look specifically, like, what did they do? So they scored that touchdown. That made it 16-12. to 12 or 13 to 12. And then they came out in the third quarter that it, it snowballed on them so fast in that third quarter. I was almost happy at halftime. Cause I was like, yeah, they've played this bad and they could still come back in this game easily. My thought going into halftime was they've played this bad, but they get the ball first. They're going to have the lead. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, kind of like what we saw with the Eagles, right? Negative six yards in the first quarter. Then they had the one touchdown drive and they were in the lead. I thought that was going to be kind of a similar thing. And instead, four minutes into the second half, it was over. So that, again, that is not something that typically happens to the 49ers too. So there's, I, I just think there's a lot of reasons to be positive despite getting whooped 33 to 19. There's some positives to take is the way I would put it. There are some positives to this game. We'll find out what happens this week against Washington. 
Um, want to remind everybody, please rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you click the bell, you'll be notified every single time we go live, which is every single weekday for you. And of course, after the game, Instant Reaction Podcast. We will be here live on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitch. Good, bad, or ugly. Dissecting the game. What happened? Please come and join us for that. It's those are my favorite shows, I think, of the whole year because we have so much to talk about and everybody is so fired up, whether they win or they lose. I absolutely love those shows. Are you going to join us this week? Yes, unless it's an overtime game. Like, I might have to cut out slightly early because I got to go to work. Okay. Um, but the game should be over with plenty of time. It's just if it's like an overtime game, I might only be around 20 minutes and then I got to cut out. Well, if they run the ball like you want the game will be over super fast so hopefully uh that happens we're talking about a niners win uh but please join us for that enjoy the rest of your thursday everybody we'll talk to you tomorrow